This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. The fight against fraud is a never-ending battle, and as results from Information Security Media Group's new The Faces of Fraud survey prove, financial institutions across the board are expected to invest in and focus heavily on fraud prevention and security in 2011. But are they investing in the best solutions and focusing their attention on the most vulnerable systems and weakest security points? Some of the survey's findings may surprise you. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with George Tubin, a senior research director for Tower Group, who shares his insights about some of our survey's findings. George, ISMG today releases its 2010-2011 results from the Faces of Fraud survey we conducted this fall. And a handful of the survey's findings stood out to you. One area you've noted relates to how the majority of financial institutions discover security breaches and fraud. Now, according to our survey, 76% of the respondents say they learn of fraud incidents when customers notify them. What does this high percentage tell us about detection measures financial institutions are not currently taking? Yeah, and, and that's, I think, the, the big concern with that number is that it does clearly illustrate that financial institutions are certainly not um, – investing and taking the measures that they need, especially as we are moving to a more, you know, continue to move towards uh, electronic uh, transaction environment, uh, faster transaction processing, the, 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 the importance of identifying uh, fraud as it happens or the potential of fraud before it happens is becoming increasingly important and to continue to be in a mode where um, institutions only know about fraud when they get notified by a customer which unfortunately could be uh, too far after the fraud incident to actually do anything about it except to go you know, into a potential recovery mode or write-off mode is, is unfortunately not indicative of an industry that's, that's really proactively trying to go after this problem. Yeah, and I'm going to go back to the survey again here. 51% of the respondents also said the biggest challenge facing their organizations, where fraud prevention is concerned, relates to inadequate fraud detection tools and technologies. Now, 56% said insufficient resources pose the greatest challenge, which, of course, is no surprise. Are the two related, with organizations simply not having the resources to invest in adequate fraud prevention tools, or do you see other challenges getting in the way here? I think your point is right on. They're certainly related. And I think what I continue to see is one of the biggest problems um, facing financial institutions is that the folks responsible for detecting uh, and preventing fraud uh, simply aren't doing a good enough job of communicating the importance of what they do through the organization to be able to actually get more resources um, and get the tools that they need. Um, you know, as, as long as fraud is maintained within certain parameters uh, or percentage points, which actually translate potentially into very high dollar amounts, um, these organizations typically don't get the resources uh, that, that they need in order to, to uh, prevent future fraud. And the problem that, we're ha- that we will have is, is as fraud is advancing and becoming more sophisticated, those big one-off attacks, um, which cause significant impact to the financial institution and a set of customers, uh, may likely become a bigger problem. Now, 55% of the respondents say they continue to rely on manual fraud detection tools. Going forward, however, a healthy 55% said they expect to use or invest in authentication solutions in the future. 
Is authentication enough, George, or does more need to be done to address the manual processes so many financial institutions continue to rely on? And authentication is great. Um, you know, I, I, you know we, we always advocate a layered security approach, and you know, whatever we could put in place uh, to help us prevent fraud, you know, reason we put in place to help prevent fraud is nothing but good. Strong authentication is a very important tool to help prevent fraud. But as you're asking, it's certainly nowhere near enough, and more advanced uh, transaction and behavioral uh, detection capabilities are going to become increasingly more important, especially, as I said earlier, we're moving towards much more uh, electronic and automated payment processes, which aren't going to give us the luxury of working in a a, a manual batch mode that we have uh, for a long time. Now, talking about fraud detection technologies, 33% of the respondents did say that they plan to invest in neural net fraud detection. How do you define neural net, and do you think investment in neural net detection would help solve the manual detection problem? I, I I think it's one of the ways to help solve it. I mean, certainly having traditional rules based, you know, really good rules based and cross channel fraud detection analytic capabilities are important. Um, and they continue to be um, very underutilized. And as we get more advanced, you know, using neural net or, you know, we call it adaptive analytics that allows for a, con- a continuous updating and recalibration of detection models um, in response to changes in, in, in predefined data patterns. So in advanced forms, you know, it's neural networks, fuzzy logic um, that could help recognize even very subtle anomalies and common patterns to alert for potential um, fraud happening. So it's, it's, it's recognizing that, that we don't know what we don't know, and rather than simply putting in uh, rules that we have to predefine based on what we know, um, it's allowing us to look at patterns that are a little bit um, out of the ordinary to help signal that something needs to be looked at a little bit more closely. Now, one thing that you've noted is a lack of understanding as it relates to cross-channel integration, simply saying few institutions believe it's a big factor. Now, according to the survey, 39% of the respondents say cross-channel fraud incidents account for less than 10% of all fraud. Do you think that perception is off, and is cross-channel fraud actually much higher? I think that financial institutions have a very difficult time in determining when a cross-channel fraud actually occurred. For example, an institution identifies check fraud, and they'll flag it as check fraud, but they may never realize that that check fraud came about by somebody using social engineering in their contact center to, to get some account information and uh, you know, routing information that, that the criminal used to create a fraudulent check. Or a check image was um, downloaded through an online banking um, account that was fraudulently accessed. So tying these things together is is incredibly difficult, um, and, and I think most institutions don't don't really have the resources or, or, or capabilities to do it. Those institutions that do have the capabilities to do it are certainly reporting that that they're seeing um, a large number and a growing number of cross-channel fraud incidents. And this is kind of a simple question. You may have already answered it, but I'm going to go ahead and pose it anyway. How do you define cross-channel fraud, and do you think that institutions define it differently? I, it may be defined differently. It's basically a, a fraud that occurs when a, a, a criminal or a fraudster uses resources from the institution across uh, different channels or, or payment types. 
So it's getting bits and pieces of information where they can and, and utilizing uh, different channels and recognizing that a bank typically works in a very silo technology environment where um, information across the channels isn't necessarily shared. And, and, and using that to you know, exploit the institution and, and commit fraud. Now, going back to the survey results, 27% of the respondents said they do not have a team or a defined plan in place to address cross-channel fraud. However, 26% said they do have teams and plans related to cross-channel fraud detection. Why are institutions so in the dark when it comes to cross-channel fraud? I, I think it goes back to just the inability to recognize when cross-channel fraud does happen. So these institutions are continuing to see uh, when they do see fraud, they, they see sort of the end result of the fraud, whether it's a, you know, a, a credit card fraud, debit card fraud, a, a, a um, ACH fraud, whatever it might be, and they simply stop there and classify it as a, as a fraud that occurred um, that way rather than working their way back to really understand um, the, the trail of that fraud and, and, and how it began and what the steps were to, to ultimately result in you know, wherever the money was actually extracted from the institution. Now, one thing that institutions across the board said was that they're focusing quite a bit on employee education. In fact, 77% of our survey's respondents said employee education was the most effective way to prevent fraud. But employee education, again, more of a manual detection process, can only go so far. Where or how are institutions missing the mark when it comes to fraud detection? I, I agree that employee education is an absolute critical component um, in, in helping to prevent fraud. I mean, you know, they, they are the front line um, when you're talking about uh, customer-facing employees, uh, employees that work in fraud detection or in some of the back, back shop areas are looking at information flowing through the enterprise and, and do need to have an understanding of, of what they should be looking for to find potential fraud. But because of the sheer volume of transactions and, and the move towards more electronic uh, uh, types of transactions, we just absolutely have to invest in better technology to do uh, better automated detection of fraud through all our channels, through all the payment types, um, in, in a more integrated fashion. Now, one thing you noted after reviewing the results related to ACH and wire fraud, you note the responses related to ACH and wire fraud confirm the need for strong regulatory mandates and response. Can you explain what you mean here or which results lead you to that conclusion? That was when I looked at the, the low numbers um, of institutions that, put, that really stressed the need to uh, invest money um, and, and become more aware of monitoring ACH and wire transactions, especially those types of transactions that occur uh, much more quickly. Um, I, I get a sense that institutions don't really get what's happening and, and the dangers that are occurring in, in that space. And while it's not yet a, 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 an epidemic, we do see a rise in, in, in very um, focused attacks on medium and small businesses that unfortunately don't have the same protections in place that consumers do uh, with Reg E. And when these uh, small companies do suffer a loss, uh, the, the financial institution, generally speaking, isn't liable for that loss. And the entire burden falls to that small business owner who can essentially be put out of business um, when one of these incidents occur. And we know they're rising 
the survey also indicates that the financial institutions are just not yet taking it seriously enough. And I think that the, the big reason is twofold: is one that a lot of the mid and smaller size institutions uh, perhaps have not yet been hit with um, one of these types of frauds. You know, where perhaps a, a small business gets a you know a man in the browser type of uh, piece of malware downloaded to their PC, which allows access to their account and, and perhaps an emptying of their funds. Um, and it, it, because they haven't directly seen that type of attack, uh, they're not taking action to prevent it. And it, it's being very short-sighted uh, in, in, into the specific danger of that type of attack. And, and I think in one of the reasons is because they haven't seen it directly, but because ultimately, uh, you know, th this type of attack and this type of fraud is, is so devastating to a customer, um, the institution should be moving to put better tools in place, even though if that type of attack occurred, they may not be necessarily held directly uh, liable financially. Now, according to the results, and these jibe with what you're saying, ACH and wire fraud ranked fourth, trailing credit and debit fraud, check fraud, and phishing and vishing attacks which leads us to believe that perhaps the ranking is a little bit too low. But 53% of the respondents did say they have increased internal monitoring in response to ACH fraud, while 40%, similar to employee training, say they have increased customer awareness. What does that tell us about the results? Are they putting the responsibility back on the merchant and just saying that it's more of a customer awareness issue than it's an issue as far as fraud detection is concerned? I think you, you say that just right, where you know, the attitude, the, the traditional attitude between the financial institution and their business customers, one of equals, um, where you know, the UCC 4A agreement is, is signed, and as long as the institution is, is putting forth a reasonable effort um, to prevent fraud, they're doing their part, and they sort of put the onus back on the small business customer to be able to detect these um, increasingly sophisticated and difficult types of uh, malware to detect. The problem with that is, is you know, these rules were written, or you know, UCC4A was written a long time ago before uh, a lot of the advances that we have in, in, in the online space. And, um, and because of that, I, I don't think we're still in the same environment where we could really consider the relationship one of equals, um, especially between a, a large financial institution and a, you know, single small business owner that's really more focused on running their business than they are about running their finances. And uh, oftentimes they're just simply not aware that, that this type of attack can happen. And they're also not aware that if this type of attack does happen, they're going to be held completely liable for it. So I think, you know, it's just not fair um, to these types of bank customers um, to be put in that type of, you know, un unknowingly be put in that type of in, um, situation or be expected to be able to put um, their own uh, fraud prevention technologies in place, which, which you know, they're, they're just simply not capable of doing. And in closing, George, can you tell us from an investment and technology standpoint, what are financial institutions doing right and where do they need to improve over the next 12 months? What will pose the greatest security threats in 2011? We do see investment in fraud prevention technologies continuing to rise, and we see a lot of emphasis being put on enterprise fraud prevention, cross-channel fraud prevention, especially in the top-tier financial institutions that 
I have a little bit more of an ability to recognize that uh, fraud is happening this way, and, and they really de- do need to invest money in this space. I mean, granted, a lot of these investments are being are, are being done from a cost savings per- perspective because our fraud detection systems have, have grown and become so unwieldy because of our siloed approach to fraud detection that there's a lot of redundancy and, and we're not getting a lot of benefits of consolidating on, on single vendor platforms. So institutions are seeing economic benefit by consolidating, but at the same time, they're seeing tremendous fraud detection benefit um, as well. So that's that's one area that we're seeing uh, good investment being made, as well as in um, other areas around authentication and, and better uh, ways to do that, like out-of-band authentication, uh, things like real-time in-session behavior monitoring that uh, looks at what a customer is doing um, through the transaction cycle to make sure there's nothing going on that, that, that you know should be uh, should be questioned. And the continued customer education um, is something that they're also doing. In, in terms of greatest threats in 2011, I, I think the biggest threats are going to continue to be the cyber threats and those types of techniques that get around our current authentication procedures that we have in place. You know, it was only you know five years ago or so that, that the FFIEC required institutions to move beyond a simple username and password, um, which you know, was very easily compromised. And a lot of and, and you know all institutions had to put something in place, but a lot of institutions uh, you know really went with what the bare minimum was that, that they thought would get them through um, a regulator examination, and because of that, more sophisticated fraud techniques are are, are it can easily get around some of those authentication practices that were put in place. So I think institutions are going to have to continuously reevaluate and upgrade and enhance uh, their front-end uh, authentication capabilities as well as their back-end fraud detection capabilities going forward. Great. Again, I want to thank you for your time today, George. Very welcome. It's great talking to you. We've just heard from George Tubin, a Senior Research Director for Tower Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.